This is former Major League pitcher Jim Abbott. You're listening to Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio dot World with Paul Schneiderman. This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 74th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. I have a very special guest today, Tony Ventrella. Tony's a longtime sports broadcaster, media host, author, motivational speaker. Tony's now an elected official. He's serving as the deputy mayor of Newcastle, Washington. He's a council member. Tony also has a background in theater as well. He's done a lot of interesting things in his career. Uh, I've been on a little hiatus with my Rainer Avenue radio show since March, but it's great to be back again. I've been focusing on my law office, and Rainer Avenue radio is uh, expanding its recordings again, although we're still deep in the pandemic. Um, I want to recognize my engineer today, Lucius Tenebris. I first met Lucius when he was a teenage student. I gave a presentation at a technical institute he was at, Media Institute, on, on uh, student media rights. I got to know him back then, and now we're, we're both having this Rainier Avenue Radio experience. We have a lot of good things going on at Rainier Avenue Radio. We have a whole bunch of sports shows, music shows, lifestyle shows, political shows, a lot of things going on at our station. Uh, I recommend people go to RainierAvenueRadio.world. My show, Sports and Stuff, has been around now since 2017. This is my 74th edition. All my interviews are on the website, pluslawoffices.com. A bunch are on the Rainier Avenue radio website. A bunch are on Mixcloud. Well, uh, Tony, I really appreciate you coming on Sports and Stuff. Mr. Ventrell's had a long 40-year career in, in media. He was very well known his days as the uh, sports director and a sports reporter at Seattle's uh, King 5 TV and Cairo TV. Uh, King 5's our NBC affiliate. Cairo's our... Uh, CBS affiliate. As I mentioned, Tony has been involved in theater, all sorts of stuff in his life, motivational speaking. Well, Tony, um, I look forward to having this conversation with you, and thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Yes, sir. Well, good to be Lucius here. Thanks, Tony. Great to have you here. Tony, you've had a long career in media. Uh, you also worked as a Seahawks uh, digital host, I believe. Um, how did you get the bug to go into broadcasting and media? When I was... Uh... 14 years old, <laughs> it's one of these, <laughs> you guys open your eyes now, oh my God, he's going back, uh, but seriously, when I, when I was 14, which is a long time ago, uh, tape recorders in days were, were reel to reel, it was a huge, a home tape recorder that you buy, and you couldn't buy them in too many places, reel to reel a deal, that was maybe 150 bucks, about a long time ago, my dad was a barber his entire career. He made a decent living, but for him to spend $50 on a Christmas gift back in those days was unbelievable. So I got this reel-to-reel tape recorder for Christmas when I was 14. I knew I was interested in radio. My uncle, Ralph, Ralph was a talk show host in upstate New York at that point, and I had been to his studio. I lived in Connecticut. And I bet Ralph and and, uh, and sat there and watched him do sport. I was so enamored of business. So my dad got the tape recorder, and for the next year and a half in my room, I recorded my baseball games. I would just make up the names or often use Yankee names because I was a Yankee fan. And I would do play by or and then do mock radio shows. And finally, uh, not finally, it was several years after high school, I went into the Army. Uh, my dad's opened my own barbershop because haircutting is what we did in my family. It was really good, by the way. <laughs> I bet, yeah, yeah. 
but I do I really wanted to get into sports. So one day, uh, one of mine got his hair cut. Hey, wish me well, I'm going into the Army. And he happened to be the sports editor of the local newspaper. It was Steve. And I said, Steve, all is well. By the way, who's to uh, replace you? <laughs> oh, he's somebody. You know, I immediately closed my shop, walked across the street, newspaper up, and put in my application. I had no experience, very education, but I really was a pretty good writer even back then. And so I did a couple of uh, mock uh, reports when I covered some high school football games, wrote a story. They published the story, about three stories. The editor gave me the – so that was the first. That was the tip of the iceberg. And then from there, I did the thing to a couple of radio stations, uh, went in, got a job. It was – I just kept going. And if they said no, go to the radio station down the street. And then from that, that led to TV, and then, you know, the rest of – the rest is just a lot of hard work and never, never allowing anyone to know to me, really. Great, great background, Tony. The son of a barber who, who was able completely on your own to get a, get a career going in, in, in media. So it's, it's, it's always fun to hear about someone's background. You definitely have an interesting story. Tony, you covered so many sports events, Super Bowls, World Series games, Olympic events, Rose Bowls. Okay, I'm going to ask you a tough question here. If you had to pick one game you covered, what would be your favorite game you ever covered? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, you uh, because there, there's so many. Frankly, there's a. I'll tell you the number one game, the most important story I covered, which has nothing to do with professional college athletes, but probably the most exciting game I ever covered was the game before the famous '95 five-game playoff. Uh, with the uh, Yankees, the one where we lost two in New York and then came back in three at the Kingman, the famous one where the double. But the series before that, it was a one-game series against the California Angels, uh, and we beat them in a one-game series to, to go to the divisional playoff against the Yankees. And that one-game series, because it was difference between day and night, Mariner, he wasn't good. Suddenly, now we're getting on a plane to go to Yankee Stadium to play the Yankees, childhood team, against the divisional uh, to the uh, uh, ALS. And uh, so, that one game in California, and then the whole series just was unbelievable. That whole five series. But that would be the game against the A's was for me. Remember well the ALS tiebreaker in 1995. That was a heck of a game, the old kingdom. I was sitting up in the 300th level then. Uh, Paul Schneiderman hosts the sports and, and stuff on Rainer Avenue Radio with uh, the broadcasting legend Tony Ventrella. All right, Tony, so you uh, sports right now is in kind of a, an interesting flux with the pandemic. And I want you to pretend like you're, a, you're an NBA commissioner or the baseball commissioner right now. What would Commissioner Ventrella do if you had the powers to address the NBA and baseball right now. Pick one or the other, or pick them both. What would Commissioner Ventrell do right now with this pandemic and how to address the leagues? I'm going to go with the MLB. I like what the Korean uh, league is. Uh, just step now, granted, Korea is hot and out of us, maybe a little bit. This is for testing 
and the tracing and all stuff and the way they should be. They're not even letting fans into the seats yet, but they are with empty arenas, uh, empty ballparks. You think, well, it's depressing. Well, you just go to 82 and you, you had the same thing. Nobody will kingdom in those days. I'm being a little facetious here, but they say bring back the live sports uh, when you feel only about a away from your crowd back in the stadium. The way it, it, of the viewer, again, television viewer, it doesn't do much for the stadium employees, the people who have been out of work for so many months, but the step in that direction. So I would play with no fans, just the television revenue back in. And the people going to keep people safe. They might not have Mike Trout. He doesn't want to do it that way. Right. <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, I think you're onto something. We get complicated though. If one or two players got COVID nineteen, would they have to suspend the season again? It would get could get complicated though, huh? Of course. I mean, but, but the key is testing and do that. And unless you can do it, it's going to be in trouble. Really six months, so we're going to need to do it. And baseball could take a step forward and be a great example for the rest of the could run. Is it in the movie? You've seen it here many times. Uh, yeah, the, the, the movie they talk about baseball through everything. Baseball through you know war, a couple of world wars and still kept going. And uh, I think that it could be a lead. Uh, baseball was the first to integrate in 1947 with Jackie Robinson long before. So baseball has always been a great leader. Why can't it be a great leader? I think they're going to end up doing it. I really do. By July 1st, you're going to see back in action with no fans for maybe a month, maybe two, uh, until they get it right, bring people back in. You may be on to something. You may be on to something. By the way, Commissioner Ventrilla doesn't sound that bad, does it? You know? so. <laughs> yes, actually, it does. So that, that we have the title commissioner in front of you that makes you more important than you really are. So I don't want to do that. But, uh, but I certainly could help get on the phone, commissioner, for a few minutes. There you go. There you go. That's something that he can hang on me if he feels like We're doing a Zoom interview right now. Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio and Tony Ventrell. You're wearing a Seahawks hat. You obviously have a connection with Seahawks as a digital media host. <laughs> Did you like their uh, their 2020 draft this year? Do you like them taking Jordan Brooks in the first round? Yeah, I thought it was a good move. I thought a lot of things. First of all, he was the best available player for, uh, for them in that position. It happened so much in the past. Go back go back a few years. Go back to the time Richardson and know who he was, or Cam Chancellor in the late rounds, and he knew who he was, or Russell Wilson in round three in 2012. And very few people, except Wisconsin fans, knew who he was. And they all became stars. Um, there were more obvious uh, ones that they took that didn't work out, like Aaron Curry, first-round draft pick, a complete bust, and the others. But so whenever they take someone that they people don't recognize, uh, it's the is why they're upset <laughs> over the draft pick. I like the fact that this linebacker is very versatile. Uh, K.J. Wright probably has another season left, maybe two. Bobby Wagner is a great player and will be for years, but you're going to need a backup for him at some point. So I think it was a good move. And frankly, anyone else down the road, I don't know about the rest of those draft picks, but I know enough to trust John Schneider uh, that three of those draft picks are going to be good. The other five or six, by the odds, 
either won't make it or they'll be on another team. That's just the way it happens every year. So uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to trust them on this draft. Thumbs up on Jordan Brooks, the first-round pick. You'll have to see what happens. He certainly seems like an athletic young man. We'll have to see. Tony, uh, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. I was going to say, that's a good thing. I mean, it would help that every pick is an athletic player, and but it's got there's so much more to do with that. I mean, how do you deal with your teammates? How are you in the classroom? Are you going to learn? Are you a worker? And all these things that we didn't expect Russell, uh, nobody knew about Russell Wilson here. We had just signed Matt Flynn to this decent contract. And we're asking, who are you heard of? only 5'10. And then game three of the preseason, he wins the starting. He had all things that coach knew he had, but none of us knew it. So that's the key. Most of the guys that study it all year, they should know what's going on. Uh, having worked for them, with them for 10 years, I trust them. I think we're okay. Like it. Like the responses. Seahawks got Schneider and Carroll definitely know their stuff. Tony, you, uh, in the back, I'm thinking back in the 80s. I grew up watching you. Um, I was a teenager throughout most of the 80s. And oh, we certainly hope so. It's good. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're there you go. And there are some great, there are some great broadcasters in Seattle. Yourself, Bruce King, Wayne Cody. Um, sports viewers had a lot of good options on the, the news in those days. Uh, tell us about your relationship with you know, a couple of your competitors, the late Bruce King and the late Wayne Cody. Were, were they friendly rivalries? Were they more intense rivalries? Tell us about some of your, your old broadcasting rivalries, Tony. I'm going to tell you, they were very, both of them were friendly. Wayne, Wayne was a little more with me than uh, Bruce was, and he's very small. I, I came here in uh, one late one. I actually came here as the weekend sports anchor at Como, a channel. A lot of people don't remember that. Bruce had left. Bruce had gone to WBC in New York about a year and a half before that and thought he would be the rest of his life and didn't work out. On both ABC and then Bruce decided to part company. Well, he came back to Seattle while I was weekend anchor, and a guy named Rick Meter was Monday through. So, I'm the wheel now. Meter then became the week quarter, along with a guy. But there's four people working that really only did you three. So, as soon as Bruce came back, he took me aside, closed the door of his office, and he said, Look, I like your attitude, I like your humor, I like the way your job. You have a job here until you find it. We are not going to let you go. You came all the way out here from, from at the time, Indiana, uh, to take this job, and I'm not going to just kick you to the curb. And I all appreciated Bruce for that. When he was in the just a couple of years and a half ago, I went to see him. I thanked him. I said, you were all fair. gave me a chance. I would not be here today. I would not have had really fun enough for you, and I thanked him for it. And Wayne was was uh, pretty friendly, too. A little, bit, a little more of a rival, but friendly. you got to remember something, Paul, no competition. Except, I'm sorry, for Wayne, and there was no uh, uh, ESPN yet. There was, uh, none of these guys were, were doing their thing, so pretty free run. We And plus, the sports times, you watch all three sportscasts. It was a big deal in those days. Still is, but you're right that there there wasn't the same internet situation, of course, and ESPN. Well, did you have a lot of fun, Tony, being a elite broadcaster at the, at the network short at Seattle? I mean, as a viewer, it seemed like you were having a blast. Were you having a fun time in those days? It was as much fun as it looked like. 
it was all fun for me, and I, I was such a most grateful to have an opportunity. To me, it's all about humor. I mean, if you and, and well, to be accurate, number one, obviously, you have to be accurate. You don't you don't put anybody down in the media. Although today's world is a little different than that, but uh, you tell the great stories, but you do it in an entertaining way. And when I first set foot set foot in King as a weekend guy, I came over from Como to King as the 11 o'clock guy, all, uh, uh, oh, shoot. I'm going to think of his name now. That's terrible. Um, uh, I'll think of it in a second. Okay. Very, very nice man who was the, the 6 o'clock anchor. Don Poyer was the 7 o'clock anchor and passed away way too young a number ago. 30 guy, and I got the 11 o'clock job. Hey. My first night on the air was New Year's Day in 1982, and Aaron Brown and I did the news. But the bottom line is, I understood that they had to give the, give the scores, tell the stories, but I also understood that to get people to remember you, you got to do something a little different, which is why I came up with Wrestling Hold of the Week, and kind of stuff at the end of the that you can't do now, give you enough time. And I was able to do that and Nostradamus, my character with a big nose, and, all the and um, things like that. And it caught on. And my producers hate at taking those ideas and running them. One of my producers, Lori Monson, was a very successful show on comedy to this day. Right. And he was my producers for seven years. And Bill, another very talented guy. So I said, well, my goal was to make people laugh every night. You did a great job. It's, it's fun to hear about a little about your your work at those networks in Seattle, and a little bit of your friendly rivalries with some of the other uh, local sports hosts and other networks. It's fun, fun, fun to hear that history. Paul Schneider and the sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, Tony Ventrola. Tony, you're now serving as uh, the deputy mayor. You're elected council member in the Newcastle, Washington. I know you made a political run back in 2016. Tell us about what's going on in the city of Newcastle. Are you joining uh, being elected official? Yeah, you know, Newcastle City, 14,000. I've been here for 17 years. Uh, I lived on the East most of my time in Seattle. I came here in England. lived in Seattle six months and then moved to Redmond, Issaquah, and now Newcastle. And um, it's a cool little city, 14, not quite enough, 14, about 13,000. Uh, um, pretty diverse city. Uh, a lot of the folks who work here are in tech, either Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Uh, a lot of families, some older families, uh, but mostly younger families. And it's a small government. We only have 24 people in, uh, on the city hall staff. The city council here is almost a volunteer job. There's a stipend, a monthly stipend, but it's not much. And uh, it's our job basically to balance the budget. And if we can't cut or find revenue, and we're, we're going through that one right now, especially with uh, COVID-19. So it's a challenge, but I like people, and I, I, I visit my neighbors as I can. And especially now with high school seniors not having graduations, I'm finding all of our high school seniors and going to their house or tape them to please email me so that we can recognize them on the city website with a picture and some of them. Because they're not going to have the graduation that we all had when we were in high school. So it's all about a good neighbor, really. And I won't ever, I won't run again when it's over. I'm just doing this for four years. <laughs> Pledge to serve one term. I love, and that's, uh, that's right. Who, who, 
<laughs> no need for true limits for Mr. Ventrone. He's going to get us. Yeah, in this case, I'm a little bit myself here. There you go. Well, I, I'll uh, check in and find what's going on more in the city of Newcastle. A lot going on with the pandemic, no doubt about it. What was your most memorable whatever you ever did? I think you mentioned one or two. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, 1980. 1980 was the year working at Wayne TV in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was my first television job. I had left Connecticut to go to Wayne TV in Fort Wayne. Got a call from the Little League mom. She said, can you come out uh, where the All-Stars are going in in July? About the kid that pitches for us, his name is Rick. He's not going to be pitching. He's going out the first ball. We are honoring the guy. So I thought, well, shoot, what's going on? He's the best pitcher, but he's not going to start. So I went out there, and sure enough, he was in a wheelchair. Rick had one of his legs up, and I said, hey, how's it going? What are you doing with he said, well, it's going fine. I'm having my leg amputated because I got cancer in my leg. And this is the wow. of it. And I thought, well, what a courageous young man this is. I know him, got to know him well. And we, we spent two, three days together, uh, go to the mall together, went to you know eat fast food, all the stuff you're not supposed to do. And he had the operation. And when the um, doctor took the blanket off the leg to show that it was missing, he said to the doc, hey, thank you. You left me a lot more than I expected. And I thought it was one of the most, uh, the best uh, uh, examples of gratitude I've ever seen. I learned a lot from Rick. He did pass away two years later. Oh, I'm sorry. To this day, I'm fam, friends with his little Sue, who's now grown up and has her own kids. And one of the kids is named Rick, by the way. So that was my most memorable day. It's when I learned something from a 12-year-old about the, the quality of living one day at a time. And uh, so I'm ever grateful to Rick. And I still have his picture on my wall, uh, uh, and uh, his baseball card, <laughs> which he made for me. So it was a great memory. Yeah, it's interesting, Tony, because a few other broadcasters I've interviewed have, have expressed similar responses that an interview with a, a kid going through some disabilities or some challenges can, can stand out more than an interview with a famous athlete, can it, in some ways? Well, yeah, I really do. I've been fortunate to have, to have interviewed everyone from Muhammad Ali to to you we know, have uh, large Jim Zorn and all the grim. Even when I was working with the team, I would go to the locker with his locker. And it's like, I know you don't want to talk to anybody. i tell you something, I don't care. <laughs> I said to him one day, I don't care if you talk to me or not. And he, made, he put his arm around me and he said, I like you. <laughs> so I was good friends with him and Sherman and all those guys. That was great. Look, Tony, you are someone. Who's a sports figure you have not interviewed that you would love to interview? Well, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. I can't think of anybody. Uh, well, there's a couple that have passed away that I would have loved to have interviewed. Uh, that doesn't count, I guess. But uh, like Joe DiMaggio, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig. I mean, like Darren. To be honest with you, anyone that's around now that's active, or as much as I respect all of what they do, I really don't uh, care if I interview them or not. Uh, but I do wish him. <laughs> so, wait, I asked Dave Sims the same question. He said Sandy Koufax is a living sports legend. He loved the interview. Well, yes, you know, he did bring up Sandy Koufax is one of the great examples of a guy that did it his way. When it was time for him to retire, he still had a couple of years in that arm, and he basically said, I'm done. I want to live a long life, and he has done that. So, yeah, I agree with Dave on that one. Sandy Koufax, figure. That's one that, that would stand out. I don't know if he's going to come on my show any day, anytime soon, but he'd be fun to interview. Tony, I, I, heard, 
You're involved in a lot of motivational speaking. Um, I think your signature keynote is Smile in the Mirror. Tell us about what your philosophy is as a motivational speaker. Okay. Smile in the Mirror comes from working my dad's barbershop. And uh, when the customers would be drive up to the front, my dad would see them and he would say, hey, remember to smile. And, of course, we were all barbershops are in the mirror and practice smile. Even though it was a natural smile, you want to make sure you don't have anything in your teeth, you know. You smile in the mirror. And that's where that came from. But it's all about – I'll make i keep this short because I know you're running out of time. But my dad uh, and my mom go through a, a tremendous amount of miles uh, back in the uh, in the mid-'50s. My sister passing away of cystic fibrosis. She's a year younger than me. And then he was using – business to the biggest flood in the history of Connecticut all within a year and his brother on Christmas Eve it was a horrible year and a half and yet they kept it together and they kept smiling and that's why I do it so my books are all about uh, those sense stories don't get me wrong they're about picking yourself up by your looking in the mirror forcing a smile and go okay what can I be grateful for today what did they leave me as Rick said I, you know, he left me a lot more Unexpected, and I think we have to look at it a lot way, especially now, because this is a time for pie. And I, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna criticize anyone who's having a tough time. It is very difficult to go through what we're going through, and I congratulate anyone that's getting through it. Tough times. Well, I, I, I read some of the reviews about your motivational speeches. It'd be fun to hear one of them once at some point. I, you get some have some great reviews. Well, we got about another minute or two left, uh, Lucius. Well, anyhow, um, what's going on? What do you see happening in the future, Tony Ventrola? Any, any, uh, tell us what you see in the future for Tony Ventrola. Well, okay, you know, I think uh, by speaking of those talks, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do you have a minute left. A couple of our uh, living places here in Newcastle. We have two right across the street from each other, Cool Creek Parkway. And I've offered my talk to them since most of the folks are in there, uh, they can't come out. Well, I have tech. They all have Zoom. They all have something. And so I offer back on this week, and it's called Oddly Enough Smile in the Mirror. And we'll show some pictures, and we'll do, we'll do a nice job of the technical side of it and do some a So I'm going to do that. Helping small businesses in the next few months with their social media. Uh, just with my cell phone and my little microphone and editing skills, go out and pick a business that's struggling, help them with their advertising uh, at no charge for the first Three months, I'm going to give them a trial period, no charge. And after that, drop me, drop, let it go. I'll leave. No, seriously, uh, because they are struggling. I've got a few things I can share. Absolutely. All about giving yourself away. I really believe that. Very noble and and, uh, honorable goals. Well, Tony, I really appreciate you stopping by on Rainier Avenue Radio today on Sports and Stuff. It's you and I stay in touch. Really appreciate you doing an interview today, Tony. Good job, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Lucius. You guys stay healthy and uh, keep uh, keep playing. I like it. I like the fact that you do. It's great. Just a solo lawyer having a little hobby, having some fun. That's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thank day. you. Bye bye. You too.